Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Root and Roots Show on blogtalkradio.com. Now here's your host, Greg Rashid, bringing you the best in music, information, and history. Well, good evening to you, everyone out there who's listening live on the blogtalkradio.com site. Also, if you're listening uh, later on, I'll say good day, good evening, good night, whatever it is, the time you're listening to. But this is 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Greg Rashid, the host of the Root and Root Show, heard Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live, and then Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live. But a lot of folks are listening on other time, during other times on social media via iTunes or on KUHSDenver.com radio with the great Henry Archuleta as the founder of that great, great radio station I'm proud to be on. And you'll hear this show on Wednesday. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm, this is the night of Halloween and all. If you're in Halloween, you know, we're going to be playing some scary music and also scary old-time radio shows. I just love those. And we're going to get into this right now. I'm going to do this one right now. This song because uh, even if even if you're into Halloween, a lot of people who listen to the show art, you know, just be careful what you do because as the Campbell brothers are about to sing, don't let the devil rise. So let's hear a little bit of sacred soul music. The Campbell brothers and don't let the devil ride on the root and root show, and just be careful in what you do. <laughs>
That's right. Don't let the devil ride the one and only the Campbell Brothers, Sacred Steel Music, along with their cousin, Denise Brown. And don't let the devil ride. So if you're out there, if you're listening live, and you think you're going to drink and drive or do something you're not supposed to do, don't do Don't let the devil take over. Always be in control and have faith. But some of these folks I'm about to play now, on these old time radio shows, they kinda let the they let the devil ride and it just cost them dearly. And I'm gonna start off with Inner Sanctum. The Inner Sanctum was very popular in the late thirties to fifties and it was a weekly show and it was starting with a creaking door which you'll hear shortly and then Raymond would come on saying some of the worst puns you could think of, but the shows themselves were very scary. And I'm going to start off with the Inner Sanctum. This is about 1942. And this is Boris Karloff, who I played the last time, but this time this is The Wailing Wall. And Boris Karloff is, um, he's just disgusting in this. That's all I can say. And so some of you who have not listened to my show before and don't know who Boris Karloff is, he was the Frankenstein monster in the movie, the movie Frankenstein. He was the mummy in the original Mummy movie back in the 30s. For some of you folks who may not know those movies or his other stuff, you may know his voice through the Dr. Seuss classic um, cartoon that's shown every Christmas, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He plays the role of the narrator and also the Grinch. So that's Boris Karloff. But I'm going to play right now Inner Sanctum Theater, and we're going to play The Wailing Wall. Starring Boris Karloff. So let's hear that on the Root and Root Show. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door into the land of ghosts, vampires, and other gay, hilarious people. Friends, are you looking for an apartment? Well, we have just the place for you. It's sturdily built, completely of marble, with cold running water every time it rains. You don't have to worry about the landlord putting you out. The lease is forever. All you have to do to get this little love nest is call your undertaker and get yourself a little bit dead. <laughs> Mr. Host, I assure you, no one is the least bit interested in your offer. But, Mary, just think. Once you're dead, you can appear on Inner Sanctum. You know, we always have a ghost in our story, someone whose voice comes back from the grave and gives advice to our characters. Yeah, sometimes I think our theme song should be, My Mummy Done Told Me. <laughs> well, that's very funny. <laughs> but you know, Mr. Host, talking about voices coming back, that's what happened to me the other day. I heard my own voice coming back to me on the radio while I was eating breakfast. No. Yes. I just heard the new Lipton jingle, and then I heard myself. Yes, there I was, talking about Inner Sanctum and about Lipton tea, too. Mm. You see, it was a record, uh, an electrical transcription that I'd made, all about Lipton's brisk flavor, how Lipton's always tastes fresh and full-bodied, never wishy-washy. 
And you know what? There was a man on the record who talked almost like you, Mr. Host. An imposter. I'll kill him. Oh, it was just in fun. He made spooky remarks when I talked about Lipton tea. <laughs> but I did get a chance to say that Lipton is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. All right, Mary. You've had your chance. And I'll make room for the creepiest voice you ever heard. The curdling kid himself, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Tonight's story is called The Wailing War. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. You'll hear Boris Karloff in the role of Gabriel Hornell. All set, friend. And turn out the lights, curdle close to the fire, and listen. Night. And on the waterfront of downtown Manhattan, the fog creeps in like a crawling cloud. Tucked in between the towering skyscrapers, there's an old rundown mansion. An anachronism. A freak among the streamlined giants. It's the Hornell home. And tonight, leaping tongues of flame from behind the black shutters. There's it, Johnny. Is there anybody in that old dump? In old guy there, they don't. Gabriel. 
What are you doing there anyhow? You can see. Well, yes, I can see, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, you've made a huge gaping hole in the wall. Now, what on earth did you want to do a thing like that for? You'll find out soon enough. And, and what are all those things? Stonemason's tools, cement, plaster. Well, I never dreamed you knew how to use them. Oh, I'm going back to bed. No, Agnes. No? No. Gabriel, that rope in your hand. Yes. I thought carefully about this rope, Agnes. It's the most merciful way. It leaves a little trace since there's no blood. Gabriel. You won't make it difficult, will you, Agnes? Murder. It's the only way. No, Gabriel. We couldn't go on like this. Your imaginary illnesses, your constant nagging. I, I have to be free of them, Agnes. But murder. This is best for both of us. No, Gabriel. Send me away. Do anything you want. You can get a divorce. A divorce there, see? That would solve everything. You could have your freedom. Stand there, Agnes. Just as you are. I know. That other woman, Dorothy Carter, that actress. That's why you're doing this. Oh, you thought I didn't know about that, Gabriel. Well, I do. Yes, I do. No. Let go of me again. That rope. Help somebody. It will be done in a minute. Done? No. You'll never be free of me. The cat saw everything with its yellow eyes. The cat saw me take her body to the tomb I'd made in the wall. The cat saw me place her there and carefully seal it up. I worked quickly, skillfully, with infinite care. First the bricks, one on top of the other, then the plaster. In the wallpaper to match the rest of the room. That wasn't very difficult. In a short time, it was done. I was free. All I had to do now was to go to the police and report her missing. It was even simpler than I thought. I put on the coat. I was about to open the front door when I heard it for the first time. I thought it must be my imagination. I listened carefully. I rushed to the wall, put my ear to it. What I heard made icy perspiration ooze out of every pore of my body. The wail was coming from the wall. It was like the insane shriek of some creature of another world. Was she alive in there? She couldn't be. She was dead. I knew she was dead. Yet I heard her voice wailing. I could swear it was her voice. I couldn't go out as I planned. What if someone else should hear it? But they go to the wall, investigate. The doorbell. Oh, it couldn't be at this hour. It couldn't be. But, but it was. Oh. Oh, I, I had to risk everything and answer it. I'm sorry to disturb you, Mr. Hernandez. It was Patrolman Cleary. It was the officer on the beat. He was blue with cold. I was passing by and I saw the lights on. I peeked in the window. You... You looked in? Yes. Since you were still up, I thought I'd ring. It's a bit of cold out tonight, and I'd like to warm his old bones for a minute. Oh, oh yes. Yes, of course, Cleary. Don't stand there in the door, man. Come in. Come in. Thank you. See, you got your coat on, Mr. Donner. Just got in? Only, only a few moments ago. As a matter of fact, I, I was going to see you. See me? Why, yes. It's, it's about my wife. Right, something wrong? I I hope not. 
I was out all evening. When I got home, she was gone. It's not like her, Mr. Turner. No, it, it isn't. Is she alone, Our Lady? Yes, I, at least I think she was. You know, she hasn't been feeling very well lately, and I... Why, oh, I, I hate to think it possible, but... But she may have destroyed herself. Is it now? No. She wasn't a sort. Oh, she was ill. Terribly ill. I tried to keep it secret until she recovered. But the doctors knew. Insane? Yes. Don't you see? The river. I'd better get back to the precinct and report this. You'd better come with me. Missing persons girl will... Hey. Mr. O'Neill. Yes? You must be mistaken. Isn't that her? That... That isn't a woman. Of course it is. She's coming from that room there. Well, sure, it's your wife. I know her voice and she sounds like she's in pain. It can't be. There's no one in that room. Well, she wants to come in the back way. Come, I'll show you. No, don't go in. Huh? Nothing. No. There. You can see for yourself there's no one here. No one. Could have sworn your wife was in this room. How'd you like to live in a house with wailing walls? Well, one thing you have to admit, things aren't so very dead in the Hornell Mansion. Or are they? Well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't have to live in that house with that awful wailing. Why, Mary, there's a wailing, whistling kind of noise in your house, too. The first time I heard it, I was so scared, I shivered in my shroud. What? Oh, you're talking about my whistling tea kettle. Oh, goodness, there's nothing scary about that. Now, if you'd only try Lipton tea with its wonderful, brisk flavor, that whistle would sound as cheery to you as birds whistling in the morning. Especially on these chilly mornings when a cup of Lipton's just makes you feel like the sun was shining inside of you. And, folks, if you want a sunny disposition, you should try relaxing with a cup of Lipton tea after a hard job like, well, maybe washing out your window curtains. Yes, and what's more, you can help your friends feel right with the world, too, by serving them Lipton tea when they come to visit you. Mm, Lipton's always taste so tangy and heartwarming, never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, that brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. All right, friends, we've given you a chance to warm your blood, and now we fondly hope to turn it to ice again with the help of our star, Boris Karloff. Oh, let's hear the second act of Inner Sanctum. We continue with the strange letter left by Gabriel Hornell. Here he was, in silent fascination as the cat screamed and leaped against the wall. Would he notice the new wallpaper in the dim light? Suddenly, the policeman turned to me. Yes, I... I guess that noise is only the wind. Strange, I like a wailing woman it can sound, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'll be leaving now. I guess it'll be all right for you to stay here. I'll make a report at headquarters about your wife. It's very good of you, Cleary. She turns up, you let us know? Yes, I, I'll let you know. Good night, Mr. O'Neill. Good night. He left. I locked the door and came back to the room. The room where my wife was entombed. Was she still alive inside the hollow of that wall? I listened all that night. The wailing rose to a high, insane shriek. And then towards morning, it began to grow weaker. And so she was losing strength. And it seemed to die. The cat crept away. There was a merciful silence in the house. 
she was dead. She had to be by now. I sank down onto the sofa into a feverish sleep. Somewhere a bell was tolling, calling the mourners to the grave. Suddenly I sat both upright, shaking, trembling. Oh, I'd been dreaming. The front doorbell was ringing. It was night again. How long had I slept? The house was silent. Oh, there was nothing to fear now. I ran to the door, opened it. Hiya, kiddo. Daughter, well, are you going to keep me out here in the cold? No, no. Come in. Come here. I haven't been... haven't been feeling well, darling. Is that why you forgot our date tonight? I, I must have overslept. What time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten? I must have slept clear through the day. Well? Aren't you glad to see me? Glad? Why, yes, it's... Uh... It's a delightful surprise. Well, that's more like you. Come here, kiddo. You've got the blues, but Doris here wipe them away. Give us a kiss. Well, what's that? Just, just the wind. Oh, no, it can't be the wind. This is a very old house, Dorothy. You sometimes hear strange noises. Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Sounds human. Oh. Even after 24 hours, suddenly I realized that the doorbell was ringing again. There was a large pair of wooden sliding panel doors between the room that we were in and the vestibule that led to the street. I wasn't going to take any more chances. There's someone at the door, Gabe. Yes. You wait here, Dorothy. What are you doing? Closing these doors. Why? I'd advise you not to ask too many questions. Evening, Mr. O'Neill. Officer Cleary, who are those men with you? They... Got something to show you, Mr. O'Neill. You'd better brace yourself. It's not going to be pleasant. All right, bring it in, boys. You can put it over there. What? What is it? It's a... body. A woman. Just fished out of the river right near here. She can't be dead more than 24 hours. My wife? That's hard to say. You see, the body got caught in the propeller of a boat. It's not easy to recognize it. Unless it was examined by someone who knew her very well. Like yourself, of course. Let me see it. Take away the burner. Look, Miss Dunham. I know. It's pretty bad. Is... Is it your wife? Agnes? Yes. Yes, of course. It's... It's her. You sure? Yes, I... I'm sure. Positive. All right, boys. Take it away. You can stay here, Mr. Arnett. I'll take care of everything down at headquarters. Good night. Good night, Cleary. Whatever it is that seemed to control men's lives was playing directly into my hands. They'd never investigate now. The nightmare was over. This time I was really free. 
suddenly, the panel door opened. Dorothy was standing there, a curious smile on her lips. I heard everything, kiddo. You did? So you were married. No longer, Dorothy. My wife died. Suicide. So I heard. Now everything will be quite all right and we can get married in a few weeks. We'll have money, lots of money. You left you plenty, eh? She was very wealthy. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I see what happens to your face when you hear that wail. Did you kill her? What are you talking about? Did you murder her? You heard what he said. She was found in the river. You can fool a dumb copper, but you can't fool Dorothy. That wail. Queer. Oh, Look at what that cat's doing, will you? Jumping up on that wall like it's gone crazy. Yes, there's something about that wall. That's what the cat's trying to tell me. Something about the wall. You better must stay away from that, Oliver. I'm going to find out. Yeah, put that down. Not to my chin with it, kiddo. What are you doing there? I'm going to break it through that wall. You crazy fool, stop it. No. Yeah. Give me that thing. You're too late, Gabe. I've broken a hole through and I'm going to look. Now you've seen. Is it the hand? The hand of a woman. It's, it's her. Your wife. Yes, Dorothy. You murdered her. Yes. Well, ain't you the chief? What are you going to do about it? What do you think? I want money. Lots of... That... That rope. Yes. This rope. This... It leaves no telltale traces. Oh, no, no, kid. Didn't you get it? It was all a joke. No, don't come any closer. Don't scream, Dorothy. It won't do you any good. Yeah, listen to me. I, I don't want to spend not, not one penny. I love you. I love you, I tell you. I, I, I'll keep your secret. I'll do anything you want. Anything. Then that rope. Take it away from my neck. Don't get it in there. Don't, don't break it. Put it in an old trunk in the storeroom of the cellar. I had to think of some plan, some way to get rid of those bodies. In my confusion, there was only one thing that I was certain of. I must never leave the house, not even for a minute. I never did. At night, I would sit there, listening. Then it would come, the wail in the wall. I knew that after a week, she couldn't be alive. What made the way? Plans? I, I thought of a thousand plans, but all of them would mean that I had to leave the house, and if I left, someone would hear the wail and find out, just as Dorothy did. Fire. Yes, fire. That would do it. The idea danced like a flame in my mind. But no, no. They discovered charred bones of the skeletons among the wreckage. No, it, it wouldn't be worth it. The only way I could be safe was to stay there in the house. I stayed. I, who had risked everything for freedom. Crawford from the bank. 
May I come in? Just in here, in the vestibule. We've written to you a dozen times, but you've never replied. What do you want? Well, Mr. Hornell, you may not realize it, but you've overdrawn your account. The money your wife left is gone. Gone? So short a time? So short? Why, she died 40 years ago. 40? It seems only yesterday. We've been investigating. Even the grocer who used to supply your food no longer will extend you credit. Well, what do you want with me? I'm not starving. If you'd see your face, you'd realize that you are, Mr. Hornell. Now, if you'll only be reasonable, we can see to it that you get $250,000. A, a quarter of a million? How? By selling this house. It's become very valuable. No. no. You get out of here. Get out. But, Mr. Hornell... Get out! Very well. He was right. I was starving. That night, when I heard the wailing begin again, I came to a decision. I, I had spent 40 years in the house. More punishment than criminals receive who've committed even worse crimes than mine. I'd take a chance. I opened the wall I'd sealed up 40 years ago. She, she was still there. But the wailing continued. Why, why? I looked into the tomb I made for her, and then I saw it. Saw this thing that had ruined my life. It was a tiny hole in the outside wall that I'd made when I first broke it open. The wind rushed through and made that horrible wail. What was the use? I took a match out of my pocket. I set its flame to the curtains. In a moment, the place would be an inferno. But I decided to stay. I wanted to perish with the house. In death, at least I did make inquiries from the police. She told me. No, there was nothing unusual found among the ashes. Everything was burned to a fine powder. If... If I had only set fire to the house 40 years ago. But no matter. The window is open. And it's 18 stories to the ground. I will soon be free. Everybody's dead but the cat. We overlooked him because we couldn't find him. Because I'm sorry that that wall made such an unpleasant noise, such a tuneless wailing. We tried to teach her to whistle the new Lipton Tea jingle, but we didn't have time, eh, Mary? <laughs> now, you just stop teasing me because I'm not going to talk about the Lipton jingle now. No, and I'm not going to talk about Lipton Tea either. Instead, the Lipton people want me to remind you folks about something important. I mean the Victory Loan Drive. You know, friends, we've been buying bonds for many years now. But this drive is in some ways the most important. Because if a job is worth doing, then it's worth finishing. The bonds you buy now won't buy weapons. No, this time the money will help bring our boys home. It will also help take care of our wounded soldiers. Provide them with the finest medical care in the world. And friends, we can certainly do no less. 
And the victory bond you buy now will help launch our veterans into a safe and secure post-war world, the kind of world they've been fighting for. Yes, you're helping others and yourself, too, every time you buy a victory bond. So buy all you can, won't you? All right, friends. Until we meet at some haunted house, here's a parting thought. Don't seal your wife in a wall. That won't keep her quiet. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's inner sanctum mystery novel is Devil in the Bush by Matthew Head. Yes, and next week's inner sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man who gets hunches. His hunches are about death. He's sure he's going to be killed. Not by poison or fire or strangling. Nothing simple like that. No, our character has a nice, interesting death waiting for him. Oh, if you'd like to be in at the death, drop in next Tuesday. <laughs> and now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant dreams? Hmm? <laughs>
I sit alone in my four-cornered room staring at candles. Well, that shit is on. <laughs> Let me drop some shit like this here. At night I can't sleep, I toss and turn Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned Four walls just staring at a nigga I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger My mother's always stressing I ain't living right But I ain't going out without a fight See every time my eyes close, I start sweating And blood starts coming out my nose It's somebody watching the act But I don't know who it is, so I'm watching my back I can see him when I'm deep in the covers when I awake, I don't see the motherfucker. He owns a black hat like I own. A black suit and a cane like my own. Some might say, take a chill, B. But fuck that shit. There's a nigga trying to kill me. I'm popping in the clip when the wind blows. Every 20 seconds got me peeping out my window. Investigating a joint for traps. Taking my telephone for test. I'm staring at the woman on the corner. It's fucked up when your mind's playing tricks on you. I make big money, I drive big cars, everybody know me. It's like I'm a movie star, but late at night, something ain't right. I feel I'm being tailed by the same sucker's headlights. Is it that move that I ran off the block? Or is it that nigga last week that I shot? Or is it the one I beat for $5,000? Thought he had cane, but it was gold, met a flower. Reached under my seat, grab a papa for the suckers. Ain't no use in the line, I was better than a motherfucker. Put the left in the Popeyes and better die quick. If it's going down, let's get this shit over with. Here they come, just like I figured. I got my hand on the motherfucking trigger. When I saw make your ass start giggling. Three blind, crippling, crazy senior citizens. I live by the swamp. I take my boys everywhere I go because I'm paranoid. I keep looking over my shoulder and peeping around corners. My mind is playing tricks on me. Day by day it's more impossible to cope I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous Every Sunday morning I'm in service Praying for forgiveness And trying to find an exit out for business I know the Lord is looking at me But yet and still it's hard for me to feel happy I often drift when I drive Having fatal thoughts of suicide Bang and get it over with and then I worry free, but that's bullshit. I got a little boy to look after. And if I die, then my child will be a bastard. I had a woman down with me. But to me, it seems like she was down to get me. She helped me out in this shit. But to me, she was just another bitch. Now she's back with her mother. Now I'm realizing that I love her. Now I'm feeling lonely. My mind is playing tricks on me. Fell on a weekend Me and Ghetto Boys are trick-or-treating Robbing little kids for bags Till an old man got behind our ass So we speeded up the pace Took a look back And he was right before our face He'd be in for a squabble, no doubt So I swung and hit the nigga in his mouth 
Cause he was going down, we figured But this wasn't no ordinary nigga He stood about six or seven feet Now that's the nigga I be seeing in my sleep So we triple teamed on him Dropping them motherfucking bees on him The more I swung, the more blood flew Then he disappeared, and my boys disappeared too Then I felt just like a fiend It wasn't even close to Halloween It was dark as fuck on the street My hands were all bloody from punching on the concrete God damn, homie My mind is playing tricks on me California for enjoyment throughout the world, Roma Wines presents Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Miss Judy Garland as star of Drive-In, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Judy Garland in a remarkable tale of... Suspense. Suspense. 
wish I hadn't let Ruth talk me into serving that last car that came into the drive-in that rainy night. It was late and I was tired. I'd been on my feet all day carrying heavy trays, hopping to it with impatient people glaring their headlights on and off in my eyes. Heaven knows there are a lot of impatient people in Hollywood. We car hops don't have an easy time of it. Talk about your mail carriers. Well, we're the same, raining or blowing or boiling hot. We've got to get through with that tray or know the reason why. Tired, hungry people who sit back in their car expect a million dollars worth of service for a ten-cent tip. Why do we do it? Sure, there are other ways of making a living in Hollywood, but not many that hold that glittering promise that maybe someday, somehow, maybe someone will say... Why, that girl looks like Lana Turner. Yes, at least her hair's done up that way. I think I could use her, Rennie. The musical version of the Forsyth Saga. Oh, she'd be great in color. I think I'll ask her to come out to the studio. Yes, I know. Maybe it doesn't happen often, but there's always the chance. And and there's always that hope. That's what keeps us going, I guess. But there are other things that can happen in the drive-in that aren't on the menu. Like that rainy night I was telling you about when I let Ruth talk me into serving that last car that came in. Millie, Millie, listen, please take his order, will you? I got three cars. Oh, look at the clock. What is? Nearly midnight. I'm off duty. Oh, please, Miller, just this once more. My date's waiting. I'll do the same for you. Ruth. What's the matter with him? Can he read? Please do not honk your horn. It looks clear enough to me. It's a doctor's car. You see, he's probably in a rush. Anyway, you got nobody waiting for you. Oh, all right. Oh, gee, thanks, Mill. It was true. I... I had no one waiting for me. Only the bus that was going to take me to Glendale where I lived alone in an apartment. So I buttoned up my raincoat and took a menu over to the car. Good evening. Never mind the menu. Just a black coffee, a pot of it. And a ham sandwich. Please hurry it. I took his order over to the car. The window was rolled up a little too far, and it interfered with the tray, so I reached in to wind it down. When I touched the handle, it felt wet and kind of sticky, too, but I didn't think anything about it. I got the tray firmly set, and then I looked at my hand. It was as red as blood. I looked up quickly at him. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Dr. Morgan. I just had an emergency in the car. Oh, an accident? Yes, Sunset and Vine. Quite a crash. I just happened by and I took one of them to the hospital. Oh, gee, that's a shame. Yes, it's too bad. I walked back trying to wipe the blood from my hand with a paper napkin. It, it gave me a creepy feeling to have somebody's blood on my hand. Then I went in to wash. I was trying to keep close track of the time and... I was a little worried for fear the big drive-in clock wasn't right. It sometimes ran slow. So I took a coin from my apron pocket. I figured it was worth a nickel not to miss that last bus to Glendale. I walked over to the payphone and I was about to drop the nickel in when... I looked out and he was leaning on the horn and beckoning to me at the same time. I put the nickel back in my pocket and hurried out to him. I'm sorry, but I'm in a hurry. I haven't time for this coffee to cool off. I'll take the sandwich with me. How much do I owe you? Well, uh... I'll be 42 cents. Oh, here you are. Thank you. I hope I didn't interrupt your phone call. It wasn't important, was it? <laughs> no, I was just checking on the time. I don't want to miss my bus. There was a clock right over your head. Well, that's usually wrong. If I have the time, it's about four minutes to 12. 
Oh, I'm going to miss my bus. What time does it leave? At midnight from Hollywood and La Brea. Well, hop in. I'll take you. I'm going right past there. Oh, would you? I'll take the train. I'll be right back. I might still be able to make it. Okay. Uh, in my hurry to unhook the tray from the window, I gave it a jerk and it fell crashing to the ground. Oh, dear. Ruth? Yeah? Look, look. Help me with these things, will you? I'm going to miss my well, bus. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mildred. I'll get it. I'll get it. We, we picked the things up quickly, and Ruth went off with the tray. I started to run around the other side of the car when I noticed something shining on the ground. It was one of the shakers that had fallen from the tray. I picked it up and started toward the driveway. Uh, why don't you just put that in your pocket? You can return it tomorrow. Come on, you're going to miss your bus. I put the shaker in my apron pocket, and I rushed over to the other side of the car. He opened the door for me, and I was just about to get in when I hesitated. I, I wasn't used to doing this kind of thing. The other girls sometimes let their customers drive them home, but I never did. Still, he looks so decent, and I... Come on. You'll miss it. Then he reached out as if to help me in, and I thought that he was really concerned about my missing the bus, because he seemed to pull me into the car. First thing I knew, I was sitting beside him. Then the door slammed, and we were driving off. I was a little uneasy, but when I thought it's only a few blocks, I won't be in the car long. I suppose you're in a hurry because someone's waiting for you. No, I, I live alone, but I'd hate to walk back to Glendale in this rain. You won't have to walk. Well, this is very nice of you. I appreciate it. Not at all. Uh, would you mind rolling up that window on your side? There's a draft. Oh, of course. Uh, you can, uh, let me off at that corner over there. All right. Mm -hmm. Anywhere along here will be all right. Is this a sign? Right over there by the stop sign. Wait a minute, you're going through the stop signal. Am I? Yes, but... I'll, I'll get off over there by the other one. My bus! You're turning the wrong way. Am I? Yes, this, this goes up to Laurel Canyon. Does it? Hey, let me out of here. You thought you were pretty smart, didn't you? I don't know what you mean. Please, let me out of this car. You went right to the phone. You thought I wouldn't see you. The phone? But I was calling about the time. Honest, I was. The time? With that clock over your head. But that clock's wrong sometimes. Besides, who, who would I call? Why should I call anyone about you? You were calling the police. No, honest, I wasn't. Let me out of this car. You were going to catch a bus. You were going straight to the police. That's where you were going. Yeah, but why? Why should I go to the police? You know why. No, really, I don't. Because you saw it. You saw his blood. No, you don't. <laughs> there. You won't need to try to open that door again. Now we'll be getting along. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Judy Garland in Drive-In. Roma Wines presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
Between the acts of suspense, this is Ken Niles for Roma Wines. One week from tonight, Thanksgiving dinner will be gone, but not forgotten. Not if your turkey shares the festive table with Grand Estate California Wines. Before the feast, treat your guests to Grand Estate Medium Sherry, delicious with hors d'oeuvres. Let Grand Estate Burgundy or Sauterne bring out the full flavor of your holiday dinner. With dessert, enjoy Grand Estate Ruby Port or Golden Muscatel. Among the discriminating, Grand Estate wines are famed for brilliant clarity, full fragrance, and mellow taste. A limited bottling by Roma Vintners, each Grand Estate wine is born of choicest grapes. Guided to glorious taste richness by Roma Vintners' patient skill, necessary time, and America's finest winemaking resources. Enrich your Thanksgiving with Grand Estate Wines, presented by Roma, America's greatest winemaker. Save at present low prices. Tomorrow, buy a case of Grand Estate Wines for the holidays. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Judy Garland as Mildred, with Raymond E. Lewis as the man in Drive-In, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After I made that last try to get out, he broke the handle of the door. All the strength seemed to go out of my body. I just sat there as we drove on. We passed a few people and some cars in the next block. And I thought of calling out, but... Then I knew why he'd asked me to roll up the window when I'd first gotten into the car. Then we were at the mouth of the canyon. And I could see the road, dark and lonely up ahead. The car twisted and swerved. My arm ached from his strong fingers that had dug into it when I tried to jump out. I looked at him from the corner of my eye. He hadn't seemed like a criminal back at the driving. And he didn't seem like one now. His jaw was black from needing a shave, so his face... Well, it wasn't like a criminal's at all. It, it was so tired... Quit staring at me. Oh, look, I I didn't know anything about you. Honest, I didn't. Please let me go. You know something about me now. Well, I won't tell anybody. Whatever it is, I promise I won't. A woman's promises. Remind me to tell you a story about a woman and promise. Oh, let me out. Please let me out right here. It's a long way back to Glendale. Well, that's all the better. It'll take me hours to get back, and you'll be miles away by then. I'm not taking any chances with you, Jim. Please, let me out. I've got to get back. You said no one was waiting for you. You live alone, don't you? No one will miss you. We both heard the siren then. He looked quickly in the rear vision mirror. Then he took a gun from his pocket and he turned to me. If that's for us and we'll stop, remember just this. I've used this gun before tonight and I can use it again if I have to. <gasps> I'm taking your go first. Now, listen. I'm a doctor and you're a nurse. We're headed for an emergency. If you want to live, you won't try to pull anything. Going awful fast for a wet night, aren't you? Followed you up from Hollywood. Uh, 
I'm Dr. Morgan, officer. This is Nurse Johnson, emergency call. I see your identification. He fumbled through his pockets with one hand, holding the gun in my ribs with the other. The motorcycle cop looked over at me. I thought for a moment I could signal him with my eyes. But then I knew he wasn't looking at my face. He was looking down at my white starched blouse, which you could see under my raincoat. He thought it was a nurse's uniform. Ah, here you are. Okay, Doc. Sorry I stopped you. Hey, just a minute. <laughs> What's the matter? Just wanted to tell you, rain started to slide up there a ways. Take it easy. Thanks, I will. You're not Dr. Morgan, are you? What do you say? It wasn't a big one, but it it had made a terrible mess of the road. He didn't slow down, and the car swerved crazily. It slipped from one side of the highway to the other. Suddenly, I felt as though the whole rear end had slipped down. I looked over at him. He was tense. His muscles turned white as he clutched the wheel. He shoved the car into reverse. I hoped it had never moved. We were stuck, hopelessly stuck. But all the luck. Suddenly the car was filled with light. A car had come around the curve behind us. This might be by chance. Remember, I still have this gun. Don't try anything. Say, we're stuck here. Could you give us a push? Well, have some California hospitality, will you? I'll have to get out. I'll have to put something under the wheel. You stay here. Now, stay there. There were some bushes by the side of the road. If I could reach them, I could perhaps run up the side of the hill and hide. Then in the morning, make my way back down the canyon. I carefully turned the handle of the door. I could see him in the mirror. He was at the back of the car. I eased the door gently open, put one foot out. I was just sliding out when I heard it. You're not going anyplace. Come here, give me that raincoat. Why? I need something dry to stuff under this wheel. But I... You won't be needing it. Come on. He practically ripped it off my back. Wound it into a ball and bending down, he stuffed it under the wheel. The gun stuck out of his back pocket. If I could get it, if I could lay my hands on it... I held my breath. I reached out. It seemed so far, but I finally touched it. Then I snatched it from his pocket swiftly. Give me that gun. I'm going. You can't stop me now. Can't I? No. You you stay right where you are. I won't hurt you. All I want to do is get home. I'm going, but if you follow me, I'll... You'll what? I'll kill you. I don't think you will. I will. You think I'm afraid. Aren't you? No. I don't care what happens to you. You're a murderer. You killed somebody. I thought you didn't know anything about me. I didn't, but I do now, and I'm going to tell the police. Stay where you are. No, don't. I'm not afraid. I'll shoot. 
Oh, too bad I used up all of those tonight. You could have filled me full of holes. Now, give me that gun and get in the car. Are you going to kill me? What do you think? We were nearing the top of the canyon now. The road was very steep. The rain had let up. It was just drizzling now. Even though he hadn't answered my question, I knew the answer. He was going to kill me. I wouldn't get back home tonight. Not tonight or any other night. It was funny. I sometimes used to hate that little apartment of mine where nothing ever happened. But tonight... And then, for some strange reason, I thought about Ruth. What would she say tomorrow when I didn't show up at work? And I... I wondered where they'd find my body. Well, here we are. Look out mountains. Top of the world. Suddenly we came over the crest of the hill And way down below the city stretched out for miles Millions of lights glittering in the rain For a moment I forgot everything It was the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen Ever been up here before? No Nice, isn't it? Yes. I used to come up here with a girl once. We used to sit and talk for hours. Come on. We'll get a better view if we get out. I knew it was foolish to argue with him, so I followed him. But as he walked over towards the edge, I became frightened. It was such a steep drop. Well? Come on. I'm, I'm afraid to get so close to the edge. You won't fall. Look. That's Los Angeles over there. That bright line of lights is Western Avenue. I went to school somewhere along in there. I used to get in all sorts of trouble at school. But I got by and managed. Everyone said I'd grow out of it. Over that way towards the ocean, that's Westwood. That's where she lived. This girl I was telling you about. That was the best part of my life, I guess. That's when they said marriage and a wife would straighten me out. Marriage and a wife would straighten me out in Westwood, they said. <laughs> Does your wife still live there? No. She's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. You needn't be. I killed her. Why? Because she couldn't keep her promises. Did you kill her tonight? No. A long time ago. The jury said I was insane. But I think it was the sanest thing I ever did. They put me in an asylum. 
Did you know what it's like being locked up year after year when you know there's nothing wrong with you? No. No, I don't. It isn't good. You'd do anything to get out. Anything. Anything I knew. I knew if I could keep him talking, maybe a car would come along. Maybe something would happen. It was my only chance. What are you thinking about? You... You killed someone else tonight, didn't you? Yes. Dr. Morgan? Yes. He was one of the men who thought I was insane. Why did you do it? I wanted his car to get away in. I didn't want to be locked up anymore. Oh, but they'll catch you. No. They won't find the doctor for several days. I saw to that. How can you be so sure? I do things thoroughly. What are you going to do now? First, I'm going to... And then I guess I'll go south. I knew what he meant by that pause. I started to back away slowly. I'd made a mistake by reminding him in the present. My hands went instinctively to my apron pocket for something to defend myself with. I knew there was a pencil there. It was sharp. Maybe I could scratch him or hurt him some way with it, but when I reached for it, I felt something else instead, something cold and hard. I was puzzled for a moment, and then I remembered. It was a shaker I'd picked up at the drive-in. Stand still. And then he started moving toward me. Me with only a pencil and a shaker to defend myself with. It's too bad I came into that drive-in tonight. Oh. Why did you? Because I was hungry. Because I hadn't eaten for a long time. Weren't you? Weren't you afraid someone would see you? No alarm had gone up. How'd you know? I knew. If only you hadn't rolled that window down. Well, if you're sorry, why don't you let me go? It's too late. What's that? With a sudden movement, his arms were around me in a tight embrace. I started to scream, but suddenly his lips closed over mine. Pushing my head back roughly, he kissed me. I could scarcely breathe, and I... I felt the car's headlights on us like a spotlight. Uh, just look at this view, will you? <laughs> I'll have to do this in a picture sometime. Can't you see you're interrupting something? Come on, drive on, will you? Okay, okay. And in all this rain, you'd think people would have some more skin. He held me a moment longer... When the car had gone, he released me. My pencil had fallen to the ground, and I was left with only the shaker in my hand. I fingered it nervously, and then I felt the top coming off. I felt the content spilling in my hand. What have you got in your hand? Nothing. Give it to me. No! Give it to me! He grabbed my wrist and pulled me toward him. We were moving to the edge of the cliff, but my other hand was free, and I threw the contents of the shaker into his face. His hands flew to his face in an effort to clear his eyes, but I knew it was too late to pepper it blind to him. He lunged out for me, but I stepped aside quickly, and he slipped in the mud. His hands went out to steady himself. He clawed frantically at Finley, then I saw him falling over backwards over the end. <laughs> Then my strength gave way, and I felt myself sinking down to the ground.
I don't know how long I must have been there. But when I came to, it was raining again. I was soaked to the skin and there was mud caked in my hair. There was no one in sight. The lights of Los, Los Angeles stretched out in a pattern peacefully below. And I knew that somewhere at the foot of those hills was Glendale. And my apartment. I rose slowly to my feet. And I started back toward the road. Somehow, everything that had happened seemed unreal. Like a dream. Everything but the way he kissed me. To keep me from crying out. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Selected for your pleasure from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines. And now it's curtain call time for tonight's suspense star, Judy Garland. Judy, you were grand. We hope you enjoyed your part tonight as much as we did your performance. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. As a matter of fact, playing the part of a waitress tonight was a treat. I just pictured myself knee-deep in juicy steaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that reminds me, Judy, as a waitress, you deserve a tip. And here's the best tip I know. To make Thanksgiving dinner really outstanding, serve Grand Estate California Burgundy or Sauterne. For Grand Estate wines presented by Roma, America's greatest vintner, are the ultimate in wine excellence. Yes, the brilliant clarity, full fragrance, and mellow taste of Grand Estate wines please the most discriminating guests. Well, I know that my guests would agree with you. And, Judy, there's a reason Grand Estate Burgundy and Sauterne are distinctively better. Because for Grand Estate wines, Roma selects only the choicest grapes. Then the priceless skill of Roma master vintners, necessary time, and America's finest winemaking resources guide this choice grape treasure to rich taste luxury. So remember, when you serve Grand Estate wines, you serve the finest, the crowning achievement of vintner skill. Well, that's a real tip, Ken. And so you can follow it, Judy, here with Roma's compliments, is your gift basket of Grand Estate wine. Oh, thank you. And while I'm giving out thanks, let me give a, give a great big portion with love and kisses to my great and good friend Bill Spear for his magical direction and to Raymond Lewis for playing the man so wonderfully. Well, thanks to you, Judy, and to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of The Yearling, for their cooperation in making you available to us tonight. Next week, we'll have Chester Morris as star of Suspense. Oh, he's one of my favorite actors. I won't miss it. Good night. Tonight's suspense play was written by Mel Donnelly and Muriel Roy Bolton. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Chester Morris as star of Suspense. Presented by the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Ladies and gentlemen, in the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Cary Grant, Olivia de Havilland, Alfred Hitchcock, Joseph Cotton, Roddy McDowell, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills.
Suspense is broadcast from coast to coast and to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. also on blogtalkradio.com. But anyway, that was uh, Judy Garland from Suspense, and that was Drive-In. And it's funny, I was listening to it. And just, I've listened to that a number of times. Why didn't she just get in the car and drive off? But that's another story. That's, that's another thing. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that one, Suspense, as we do old-time radio and play some music that's kind of scary tonight. And I'm going to play right now. This is from the 40s also. This is Nat King Cole in his trio, and I'm going to play Old Man Most Ain't Dead. So let's hear that on the Root and Root Show. Listen, folks, say 
that guy. That's the reason why I cry that old man, mold, ain't dead. Now mold ain't dead. No, no. That's what I said. No, no. Mold ain't dead. No, no. Mold, maybe I'm pretty sure ain't dead. Mold ain't dead. No, no. I said I said. No, no. Mold ain't dead. No, no. Oh man, Moe's ain't dead. That's the Nat King Cole trio on the Root and Root Show. And we're going to do one more old time radio show. We're going to go back to Inner Sanctum. And I'm going to play right now. I think we'll do Inner Sanctum Mysteries. We're going to do The Undead. So let's hear that now on the Root and Root Show. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door for another half hour of lovely chills and shudders. Oh, before we begin tonight, I'd like to give you a word of advice. If you should ever walk through a cemetery at midnight and come face to face with a transparent personality floating above a tombstone, don't be frightened. After all, you can see right through him. Good gracious, why do we have to talk about cemeteries? Because, Mary, our story tonight is about a vampire. Where else would you expect to find one if not in a cemetery? In the vampire state building? Hmm? Well, <laughs> suppose you go wait in that closet there and talk to the skeleton while I have a word with our Lipton listeners about one secret of success. You know, folks, when a Hollywood actress climbs up to stardom, it's usually because there's something different about her personality. And that's true of other success stories. Lipton Tea, for example, is the largest selling brand of tea in the world because it's different from other teas. Lipton's has that wonderful hearty flavor the tea experts call brisk, which means it's bright and zestful in taste, never wishy-washy or flat. Now, don't take my word for it. Compare Lipton's to other teas yourself. That's the real way to discover Lipton's rich, full flavor, Lipton's extra flavor that brings you all the goodness of a superb tea. It's full-bodied and satisfying, with a smooth, mellow tang that brings you real enjoyment. So pour yourself a cup of Lipton tea, folks, and then see for yourself what a difference that brisk flavor makes. That's fine, Mary, but quietly, my dear. Why the whisper, Mr. Don't make too much noise or you'll wake the dead. And we don't want to do that because tonight's story is called The Undead. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. Yes, and our star tonight is Anne Seymour, who plays the role of Diana. I was alone, here in the penthouse, sleeping. The doors leading to the terrace were open. Suddenly, I was awakened by a queer, whirring noise that sounded like the flapping of wings. I opened my eyes. Moonlight filled the room. It was one of those clear, cloudless nights. But the winds moaned and howled like weeping women. Somewhere, a dog howled. I sat up, peered into the green light of the moon. 
see nothing at first. I lay down again. My eyes were half closed. And I heard it again. The sound of wings beating on the air. I told myself it was nothing. Until out of the queer green shadows that surrounded me like a mist, I saw a pair of blood-red eyes close to my face. No. They weren't human eyes. They were rimmed with green. They glittered like glass in the dark. I looked closer. Too frightened to move. Too terrified to cry out. The thing that seemed to be flying round my head looked like a bat. Yet it wasn't a bat. Suddenly it floated down. I felt soft fur on my neck. And my throat was pierced with a sharp, terrible pain. I started screaming. Let me go. Let me go. Richard, where are you, Richard? Richard! Go on, Diana. When I felt your arms around me, I knew I was safe, Richard. But it, it was the most horrible dream I ever had. Yes, I know, I know, darling. You were hysterical. What do you think it meant? Well, nothing. Nothing, of course, dear. Everyone has nightmares like that sometime or other. But it was so vivid. I could almost swear it happened just as I told it to you. Oh, Diana, do you really believe you've encountered a vampire? I know it sounds ridiculous, darling. Listen, baby, you're living in New York City on top of an 18-story building. This is 1945, not the Middle Ages. Well, the whole notion is just rubbish. I tried to tell myself it was nonsense, too. But somehow... Oh, Richard, I want to get out of this place. But why? I don't like this apartment. There's something evil, sinister here. I've, I've always felt it. Now listen. Listen to that wind. The wind howl around here all the time. Well, naturally, it's a penthouse, and it catches the winds from the river. You hear that? Something flapping on the terrace. That's just the awning. Dear. There are always queer noises around here, all the time, and I, I can't bear it being alone here at night. Richard, please, please don't let me stay here alone tonight. I can't stay with you, darling. I've got to go to the theater. I don't want you to go there, please. Let, let your understudy take the part tonight. Take me away from here, far away where it's warm and there's sunlight. Diana, you don't know what you're saying, dear. I can't give up my part in the show. Of course. Of course. Oh, darling, forgive me, please. I'm... I'm sorry I ever mentioned it. You do forgive me, don't you, Richard? Say you do. Why, of course. You're just upset over the silly dreams. I know, I know. I... I won't mention it again. You're okay, baby. Well, it's ten to eight. I'd better get going. Want to come with me? Yes. No. No, I'm going to stay here. But if this place frightens you... That's just why I'm going to stay. And alone. I'm going to beat this thing. Somehow. That's better, darling. Much better. Here's your coat. Right. And you better take your scarf. It, it feels chilly. Richard. Hmm? I said I won't mention it again, but there's one thing more I have to tell you. that The face of that thing in my dream. It was your face. Diana, in the name of I won't heaven. talk of it anymore. I promise you, darling. I, I didn't mean to upset you just before you went to the theater. Just, just kiss me, dear. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Diana. Good night, dear. I'll be waiting when you get back. It was just midnight. Two nights later. I was waiting for Richard to come home from the theater. I was going through his desk looking for a postage stamp. And I found something that turned my blood to ice. It was a newspaper clipping dated ten years ago. The picture of a man. And under it the caption, Prominent real estate operator Richard Barker. Found dead of a sudden stroke. 
I looked at the picture again. There could be no doubt of it. It was Richard. I read further. The deceased will be buried at Woodlawn, Greenlawn Cemetery after services in the Westland Funeral Chapel. Good evening, Diane. Richard. Why, what's the matter? You seem startled. I... I didn't hear you come in. Have you been brooding again? No, Richard. Of course not. Well, how do you feel tonight? Not... Not very well. Weak? Weak. Sleepy. Ill. Well, no wonder you've hardly been eating a thing. And I know that you never catch a wink of sleep. I told you I can't sleep in the daytime as you do. As you do. Why are you staring at me like that? Why? Why do you sleep in the daytime? I've been doing it for years. Years? What's so terrible about that? Most theatrical people do. We live and work at night. Yes. Yes, I know. Really, Diana... What is the matter with you? Nothing. You... You think I'm losing my mind? Well, I don't know what to think. Why are you pretending? Pretending what? That you're something other than what you are. Because I know what you are, Richard. Really? I found out. This clipping I found in your desk, it... It tells how you died. That clipping? Oh, that. Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, you see, it's a joke. It's a gag. One of my pictures was sent to the papers, publicity for a new play, you know. And a drunken typester put it in the obituary column quite an amusing story. I don't believe you. You're lying. Listen, you can't go on like no, this. No, don't, don't touch me. You're not well, darling. Get away from but me. I just want to kiss no, you. No, don't, 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 don't touch me. Diana, where are you going? Out of here. Diana, come back. I'll come back when I've proved something to myself. I'm sorry to wake you up. Uh, are you the caretaker here at Greenlawn? Many years, ma'am. I, uh, I want to see the grave of Richard Barker. Who are you? Diana Barker. His wife. But it's one in the morning, Mrs. Barker. I know what time it is. I, I want to see the grave. No one comes at a time like this. Please, will you tell me? Uh, perhaps this will help. And honest. For disturbing you. All right. You take the path in back of my house. Turn to the right. Have you flashlight? I brought one from the car. It's only a short way, but it isn't a grave, ma'am. It, uh, it's sort of a tomb. Thank you. I'll find it. So, you want me to come with you? No, I've uh, troubled you enough. Good night. Good night. Somewhere, an owl was howling. As though warning me not to go on with this insane adventure. But I knew I had to continue. I had to be certain. I followed his directions along the path of the cemetery. The moon poked yellow fingers through scudding clouds as though showing me the way. I was frightened. Terrified. There's nothing to fear from the dead. I kept telling myself I had to keep up my courage. The dead. Perhaps they were right. There was nothing to fear from them. But the undead... It was a tomb. The inscription was clear. Here lies Richard Barker, born May 7th, 1890. Died September 4th, 1935. There was a lock on the door. It was old and rusty. I'd come this far. I made up my mind. I picked up a stone... Smashed the lock 
I open the door. Blackness. Inky blackness such as one imagines one would see at the end of the world. Turned on the flashlight I took from the car. Coffin was lying in the center of the tomb on an altar. I felt my heart beating wildly like a throbbing drum inside me. With a trembling hand, I opened the coffin. I looked down on a ghastly white satin lining. That was all there was in the coffin. There was nothing else. It was empty. I looked up. There was a face staring at me in the shadows of the tomb. It was Richard. Diana. I knew you'd come here. <laughs> well, friends, that just goes to show that an empty coffin makes the most noise. <laughs> you know, this is the kind of nice domestic story I like. The intimate family chronicle of a vampire. My goodness, is that what you call intimate family life? Of course, Mary. It looks like our lovebirds will even share the same coffin. <laughs> I'm afraid you're drawing a very strange picture of family life, Mr. Holtz. Right, Mary. And now let's go back to our horrors. Let me see. What dire predicament are we in tonight? Oh, yes. Diana has just discovered that her husband was wandering around his tomb. What would you do in a situation like that? Here's what Diana did. Listen. <laughs> I ran blindly, stumbling, tearing my clothes. Somehow I managed to reach the car, stop them. In the car, I knew it wasn't all some dream. People didn't come back from the dead. Did they? Could they? I drove to the city. I wanted to see the lights, people, hear music. I wanted to be sure this was the world I'd always known. I, I tried to reason. I, I tried to understand what had happened to me. Because I knew something was happening to me. Something that I dreaded. I was becoming like... Like them. Like Richard. I felt strange craving. Desires that I didn't... They have pink Excuse me, Mrs. Barker. Oh. May I sit with you? I... I don't believe I know you. But perhaps not. Does it make any difference? No. No, it doesn't. Please, sit down. Thank you. I'm glad you came over. I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to anyone tonight. I've been watching you for the last ten minutes. Have you? You look very strange tonight. How do you know me? We all know each other. We? Yes. You realize you'll be dead soon. Dead? At least, what they call dead. You... You know what's happened? Oh, yes, of course. I've seen it happening for weeks. Your face became paler and paler. It will not be long now. You will become one of us. I don't want to. It's not in your hands. It, it isn't true. It, it can't be true. It's quite true. Many of us have gone on for hundreds of years. Those who sustain us 
become like us. And I... There is no escape. No. I don't believe it. Don't you feel it? Blood. That strange desire. Yes. There. You see? I don't want to. I once tried to fight it, too. It's no use. I'm going away. Far away. Where he can't reach me. I'm going now and no one can reach me. I... Waiter. Waiter. Will you help me here? There's been an accident. Everything is going to be all right, Diana. Just lie here and rest quietly. You're in your own home. I opened my eyes and saw Claudia, my older sister. Never was so glad to see anyone in all my life. Claudia had always helped me, always advised me. She'd know what to do. You want something to eat? No, I... I'm not hungry. But the doctor said you'd have to eat. How did I get here? You collapsed in the cocktail lounge. They brought you home. When? Last night. It's dark out. You've been sleeping almost 24 hours. Where's Richard? At the theater. Poor boy, he was so worried about you. Was he? He sent for me. I've been with you since last night. Diana, what happened? It's, it's terribly difficult to explain. I, I sometimes think I'm... Losing my mind. I'd, I'd be sure that's what it is if I if I hadn't found out differently. Tell me about it. I I found out Richard is dead. He's been dead for ten years. What, what are you talking about? Sue, Claudia. I went to Greenlawn. I saw his tomb. I opened it and the coffin was empty. Diana. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not insane. He never sleeps at night. Now I feel this strange craving. Claudia, don't stare. You know what you're saying. Yes, I know it sounds wild, fantastic, but I, I haven't told this to anyone, but it's true. There are things in this world you only think are primitive superstitions, but... Claudia, you must believe me. Yes. Yes, of course, I believe you, dear. We must destroy Richard. I've read about those things. We must destroy him by driving a wooden stake through his heart. That's the only way I can escape from him. That's the only way I can become a human being. Diana, you, you'll help me, Claudia. Of course, dear. Haven't I always helped you? Where are you going? Just to fix you something to eat. No, no, you're going to leave me. Leave me here alone with him. I won't let you do that, Claudia. That, that gun. Where did you get that gun? We've always had one here. Ever since I first told Richard I was afraid of this place. You're not going to leave me alone now, Claudia. I'm not going to let you. Of course not. Get away from that door. That's what you want. Claudia, come back. No. I got it. Gone. Insane. She was so sure I was insane. She didn't even give me a chance to explain. I was alone in the house. I felt terribly weak. I wanted to sleep. I wanted to sleep forever and ever. But I knew if I lay down and closed my eyes... I might never open them again. Never open them and see the world as you or I used to. I'd... I'd be something else. I looked at the clock. Almost midnight. Richard would be coming back any minute. I ran to the door, locked it from the inside of the safety boat. What to do? What to do? Please, I ran to the telephone. Operator, get me the police and hurry, please. One moment, please. Hurry, when you. This is a matter of life and death. Hello, are you ringing them? Police department. Sergeant Kilway talking. Hello, police. You've got to help me. Yes, what is it, please? My husband, he's going to do something to me tonight. He's going to make me what he is. Uh, what's that, lady? He's been dead for ten years. I saw his empty coffin. That's proof, isn't it? That's evidence. You always want evidence, and there it is. Now do you understand? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I do, lady. Well, what's your name? Diana Barker. Well, all right, all right, all right. Now, calm down. Tell me where you live. I live... Oh, you think I'm insane, too, don't you? I didn't say that. 
You think I'm crazy, just as Claudia does. If, if you'll just give me the address, lady. Oh, what's the use? Please, lady. No one believes me. I know I'm not in I know it, and yet... What's that? His key in the lock. He can't open it. It's bolted from the inside. He's trying to get in. But he can't. Not for that bolt. I won't open it. I won't. I'll just pretend I don't hear it. I'll cover my ears with my hands and I won't hear it. He can't get in here. If I can keep him out until daylight, I'll be safe. Safe. Suddenly the doorbell stopped. I knew he hadn't gone away. I could feel him near me. But he couldn't get in. No, he couldn't get into the penthouse. There was no way to get in unless he came through the terrace. And there was no way to get on the terrace unless he could fly. Fly. The wind was screaming. When I turned to look at the French doors leading to the terrace, it was impossible. He couldn't. And yet, the doors burst open. The wind blew through the house like a cyclone. The air framed in the double doors. Richard. Why didn't you let me in? How, how did you get out of the terrace? Never mind. What are you doing with that gun? Don't come near me, Richard. Diana? Go away. Go away and leave me alone. Give me that gun. No. I'm warning you, Diana. You'd better give it to me. If you take another step toward me, I'll fire. Diana? You see? The bullet. They didn't harm you. No. But I didn't miss. No. Debbie. You see? It didn't do any good. What are you going to do? I'm going to put an end to this once and for all, Diana. An end? And I've prepared for this. I have a knife. You see? Richard. Don't be afraid, Diana. You won't quite die. No, here. no, don't. Come here, Diana. No, Richard, no. You're no. making too much trouble while you're alive. Help me, Thomas! They're going me! I saw the knife over my throat. I beat at his chest with the empty pistol. Then, just before everything became black, I saw three flashes of lightning. <laughs> Mrs. Barker. When I woke up in the hospital, Inspector, I couldn't believe that I was still alive. It it seemed like a miracle. You would have been dead if it wasn't for your sister. Claudia. She came back with one of our men. He shot and killed your husband just as he was about to plunge the dagger into you. But how did he get in? He came over the adjoining terrace from the penthouse next door, just as your husband did. No, Mrs. Barker. Your husband didn't fly. But the other things, the, the picture, the tomb, the, the empty coffin. All props for an elaborate scheme your husband worked out to murder you. Richard Bach is not an uncommon name. He found a man with that name who died ten years ago. He removed the body. He got the whole idea from the dream you told him. But why? To establish that you were insane. Oh. He planned to murder you. And claim he did it in self-defense to protect himself against an insane woman. But the gun... Filled with blanks. He wanted to get your money, Mrs. Barker. But the, the way I felt, those strange cravings. You're suffering from anemia. Your doctor told us that. It's not uncommon for anemia sufferers to feel the way you did. I still can't believe it. I, I still feel that he isn't quite dead. I'll relieve that fear right now. His body's in the other room. I think you should see it. Come this way, Mrs. Barker. There. Raise the lid of the coffin, Charlie. Yes, Inspector. What's the matter? He, he looks so lifelike. His lips are so ready. He looks as though he could move. Get up at any minute. Nonsense. 
I assure you he's quite dead, Mrs. Barker. And I can further assure you that the police department has never encountered one authentic vampire in its history. Yeah. You're very reassuring, Inspector. I think I'd better leave now. Don't bother to see me to the door. Bye. All right, Charlie. Cover him up and have him buried. Okay, Inspector. I... What? What is it, Charlie? Inspector. Maybe I'm nuts, but I, I... I could swear that I saw him move. Oh, nonsense. Close the lid. Uh, it's getting dark, Charlie. Sun sure goes down quick these winter days. I'm going home. Good night, Charlie. Well, friend, do you think Richard is really dead? That's something for you to sleep on when you go to bed tonight. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we have a moral for tonight's story. Yes, it's taken from a diary of Miss Delirium Tremens, who once said, Never marry a vampire. He may turn out to be 500 years old without a social security number to his name. How can a girl have any fun going around with a guy like that? Well, Mr. Host, I don't think that's a serious problem. I'm positive that no girl will ever meet a vampire, much less marry one. Ah, but you can't be sure, Mary. The safest thing is to drive a wooden stake through your husband's heart. Yes, if he dies, then he must be a vampire. Oh, such a foolish. <laughs> Let's forget all this talk about vampires, because I want to tell the folks about something wonderful that's going to happen next week. The next Tuesday's Christmas, you know. So instead of our usual mystery thriller, Inner Sanctum will bring you a tender and beautiful Christmas play called The Littlest Angel. And our star will be that great and beloved actress, Helen Hayes. So be sure to tune into this station at the regular Inner Sanctum time next week. I promise you, The Littlest Angel, starring Helen Hayes, and brought to you by the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, will be the crowning pleasure of your Christmas day. That sounds great, Mary. You know, Christmas is really wonderful. There's something about it that gets even the most hardened characters. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Fearful Passage by H.C. Branson. And don't forget what Mary told you, friends. Next week, we'll bring you Inner Sanctum's special Christmas program, directed by Hyman Brown and starring Helen Hayes, America's first lady of the theater. There'll be no gore, no chill. Not even one little murder, believe it or not. The holiday spirit is getting even us. So be sure to join us next Tuesday. Meanwhile, I'm going to do my Christmas shopping. You know where I can get a nice fur-lined coffin for a cold-blooded friend? <laughs> Until next Tuesday, then. Good night. Pleasant dreams? Hmm? <laughs> Yes, I tried so hard 
walk from Dallas, walk to Wichita Falls. Got the thing about my baby, wasn't no walk at all, I do believe. I won't got a black head bone. Well, everything I go to do, seems like I do it wrong. Hop Wilson back in the 50s, and that was, I believe my woman got a black cat bone. Whatever that is, I know. <laughs> Take a bone from a cat, oh, that's terrible. But before that, we did another Inner Sanctum mystery show, and that was uh, The Undead with uh, the actress Anne Seymour. I hope you enjoyed that on the Root and Root show, as, as well as the other shows I played this evening and played the other day, too. I love playing old-time radio. Enjoyed doing that, and I hope you enjoyed it too. But we're getting ready to get out of here now, and I just hope that uh, you've had a safe. If you're into Halloween, that you've had a safe Halloween, and that you also will take the time just to, um, besides you know, besides doing tricks and all, and getting some people may get drunk or something like that. Just take the time, all the time, every day, just to give back to someone by giving them a hug, saying hi to them, calling up someone. You haven't talked to in a while, and just wish them high. Just don't wait till holidays or special events like Halloween. Just do it anytime, because that makes you know that makes life better. That makes it really better. So I just want to thank everyone who listened in this evening. If you didn't listen live, you probably are listening on iTunes or somewhere on social media, or definitely on KUHSDenverRadio.com. And again, I want to thank Henry Archuleta for having me on the station there. I just love it. I'm going to eventually be doing live shows from KUHS, so that'll be great. But if you want to um, contact me as far as um, advertising, and more important, if you just want to contact me and just suggest shows, topics, because a lot of the shows I do on this program are based on suggestions from listeners, and also the music, too. You can go to my Facebook site, Greg, G-R-E-G, last name Rashid. R-A-S-H-E-E-D. You can go to Twitter, hashtag Unifix, U-N-I, F is in Frank, I-C-S is in Sam. You can also go to the blogtalkradio.com site. They have a message uh, segment there. You can just leave a message at Root and Root Show, and I definitely would get that because I've gotten messages on there and getting a lot of followers on Twitter and also on Facebook. So I'm just happy, you know, just to be doing these shows and happy when you make suggestions and comments. And, you know, that means that um, it's worth doing this. And I've been doing this particular show for two years. I can't believe it's two years, but I've been in radio longer than that. And I just enjoy it, and I just hope that you enjoy it. And obviously, from the comments, the people definitely enjoy it. But, again, this is Greg Rasheed with the Root & Root Show. We'll see you next time. Just want you to go in love and go in peace and take care. We will see you another time. So take care out there. Thank you.